This is The Guardian. I'm Grace Dent and this is Comfort Eating from The Guardian. A podcast where we pay homage to the lesser celebrated foods in life. Because even as a restaurant critic, I believe the food that matters most is often that snack you cobble together when you're curled up on the sofa. Each week, I ask my guest to lift the lid on what comfort foods have seen them through their lives. Because you can tell a lot about a person from what they eat behind closed doors. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, this is Bachelor Clues from Game of Roses, of course, and I want to talk about Club Med. Everybody knows Club Med has been the pioneer of the all-inclusive resort since 1950 with almost 70 resorts worldwide, ranging from beachside destinations in the Caribbean and Mexico to exotic locations like the Maldives and Morocco, or even the mountain destinations like Japan and the European Alps. Dine on delicious gourmet cuisine, enjoy more than 20 activities, and make memories with your family. For more information, visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Hello friends, welcome to this very festive special of comfort eating. You find me as always in my kitchen applying the final layer to the ultimate Christmas comfort food. It's a classic bird's trifle. Raspberry jelly, sponge ladyfingers, custard and a layer of dream topping. I've just been wrapping Charlie's gift, which I have been hiding in the loft since November. Look, I would tell you what it is, but there is a strong chance that he might actually listen to this one because today's guest is, I can't believe I'm saying this, it is the man, the myth, the legend. It's Mr. Craig David. I'm struggling to think how to describe him because he is a bona fide British superstar whose music is known by pretty much everyone that you meet. His songs are so important to so many of us. He has soundtracked the noughties with his tracks like Seven Days, Fill Me In, Walking Away. He's not only a singer, but a very talented songwriter, rapper and producer. And his new album, 22, is out early next year. We're speaking over Zoom today and my only task is to play it reasonably cool and try not to sing in his face or faint with excitement. I'm walking away. Just trying to get it out of my system right now. Rewind. <laughs> Leave it, Grace. Leave it. Leave it. We just have some trifle. Yeah, have some trifle and calm down. That's it. Good, good idea. <laughs> Craig David, welcome to Comfort Eating at Christmas. Thank you so much. Merry Christmas to you, Grace. How are you feeling? Merry Christmas to you. I feel a little bit giddy because mm. you got the memo too and you're wearing a Christmas jumper. It's yeah. Christmas elephants. Moving, where are they? Are they following the star? What are they doing? Yeah, I mean, 
I don't know if it would be an elephant following it. It would be like camels and the three wise men, right? But I don't know if it's like it feels, it's got the the feel, I think is what we're, do you know what it's I mean? It's, f- you could rock this on a different occasion and you could say, well, it's not a Christmas thing. It's actually just like um, some elephants on a journey. Yeah. Not that what do you think to. of my antlers? I felt that you've really gone in. And I love the fact <laughs> that we got both got understood the assignment. Do you know what I mean? I'm seeing in the background the, the tinsel around the, the picture of the it, queen. Yeah. So you've got it all going on. This is the magical moment when I get to find out what people really eat behind mm. closed doors. Their ultimate comfort food. Craig, yeah. what have you got for me? Okay, right. So... What we've got, we're gonna we're gonna like one I prepared earlier kind of thing, yeah. Oh, hang on, hang on. I've oh, got one too. Oh, have you got, got one too? Two. Oh, so you 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 you're, people you're, you people are know. pointing. People are pointing. Is it here? Is this it? Oh, it's been prepared. It's prepared. To your very yeah. strict instructions. Oh, something's something's leaking. It's yeah. kind of. Oh, I'm not sure. How, oh. Yeah, that, the preparation's not sounding like it's supposed <laughs> to be like that. For anyone who's all like, what is going on here? Is uh, Ben and Jerry's cookie dough? But the thing yes. about it, which is different. Which kind of is why I've gone for this, which people are saying, well, that's not, is that it? Cookie dough ice cream, is that, come on, we all do ice cream. But it's the way that you eat it. So what I've done is mine, I've put, well, it's, it's pretty much melted up. I could have gone a little bit more right now. <laughs> so you could take a pint-sized one of these cookie doughs, put it in the microwave, which is why it's gone like that, for maybe, depending on how powerful your microwave is for, let's say, a minute. And then what it will do, it won't be completely melted. But what you can then do is, is scoop out bits of cookie dough, which have a bit of the chocolate melted on it, with a tiniest I, bit of ice cream. You can sort of swerve around most of the ice cream. I like cookie dough. Right. I do like cookie dough. It is delicious. I just, like, how did you end up, how did this come about? I mean, is this, is this, have you been eating this since you were a child? No. With me, I've got Ooh. a very, very, very sweet tooth. Oh, what did you get there? A nice piece or something? I've got a really nice, nice chunky piece of Do the you cookie see chocolate. What I'm now. Saying ah, now, Grace. See now it now. But <laughs> what, what you're showing right now mm. is that you can swerve most of the ice cream, right? That you're actually getting all the cookie dough out and you're getting a little bit of the ice cream. So my my thinking behind it, like I said, if you took all those little pieces and you put you squashed them all together. You could probably have done three pint size worth of ice cream and actually only done one big one cookie. There's something quite profound here. Mm. It's like you enjoy the journey as much as the prize. So almost like looking for the prize bits. Because anybody could just you could just whisk up some cookie dough at home and just yeah. eat that. You could get some cookie dough, but you like to look for the prizes. It's all about the prizes. I always want to know what our guests were into when they were little. Mm. And as this is a Christmas special, what I'd like to know is, what was your favourite present that you were ever given when you were a kid? Ooh, that's a real kind of toss-up between the Sega Mega Drive, which yeah. uh, at those days was had like it came preloaded with like Sonic the Hedgehog was the first game. And this was just at the cusp of, computers going from Spectrum and Commodore, all these keyboard stuff, to actually mm. a console. Did you have a Spectrum? I was a Commodore 64. And then I got the disk drive to go with it and the thought, and then I was able to get, you know, back then, to make it feel like, oh, you're getting the, the glossy version of it, you yeah. get like a big boxed version that would have, still have the tape inside. It just wouldn't be in the plastic tape. It would just be a bit bigger. Then the Mega Drive came. Oh, changed my life. 
That was big. But I'd say the one that trumped that, if I'm being honest, is that my Technics 1210 record deck. That one, game changer. Only for the fact you- that I didn't have a mixer and another deck, so I couldn't actually use it the first time. So I got given this gift, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, cool, I've got the deck. I can't plug it into anything, but it looks great. And when I get the chance to afford the other deck and a mixer, this is going to be a great set. It's all about the journey. Of course. It's all about the journey. So did you have to wait another year before you got the other deck? No, so I went, I, I got it Christmas for the deck. I got my birthday's May 5th. So May, I got the other deck uh, from my parents. So both of them, both decks were from parents and I'd saved up at the same time to get the mixer at my birthday. So come May 5th, I was, we were good. We were good to go. Before you were Craig David, the international superstar that wow. we know and love. You're too kind. You were Craig from Holyrood Estate in Southampton. Yeah. What was life like when you were a little boy? Do you know, just before I answer that, what was your first present? Because I was really intrigued, like, what you were going to say. Because <laughs> I was just, just getting oh, to... Oh, God. You know, I was going to say that I remember getting a, a ZX Spectrum 48K. Ooh. And I had to share it with my brother. And I remember we had... Um, Jet Set Willy and Daily Thompson's Decathlon. Daily and you had to like do the Y and the N to run really, really, really fast. I know those days. You did the, the, yeah. How many joysticks got smashed up from that one game? Yeah. Because oh the, the button got stuck because you had people going yeah. ham with that. I changed everything, changed everything for just normal people. It was like suddenly like world was in technicolor all of a sudden. It, it, that's how it, I couldn't agree more. And it, yeah. it feels like we've, we've, we've experienced like another sort of sort of quantum leap of that in, yes. in, in our generation as well, where it's just like, wow, okay. I mean, those days, it wasn't even mobile phones. But as for my upbringing, it was those joyous moments from Spectrum, Commodore 64, very much good life. <laughs> like, I felt like my mum and dad just, I just felt a lot of love in my home. And my grandma predominantly raised me with my mum. So just those days of my grandma picking me up from school. I mean, I remember that yeah. really fondly. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's warmth and love. So she was standing outside the gate? Yeah, she'd stand outside the... It got to the point where actually other friends who were at school were starting to clock the fact that my grandma would pick me up and take me home. Because usually mm-hmm. it'd either you have to take a right and then go around to the bus stop. Or let me wait and see if Craig's going out. Because maybe I can catch a lift with him back down to yes. Holyrood Estate. So I had to sort of slip out. The, the gate when it was come to that time, because I, I saw the move here. I was like, okay, I've either got to be a little 10 minutes later or I've got to really get, I said, Grant, can you just go a little further down the road so they don't see your car? Because if you're right outside, it's a bit hard to sort of be like, well, no, I'm not going to give you a lift back, even though we're in the same estate. But at the same time, when did my grand turn into like a taxi service? Did your grand bring you a snack in the car or did she cook when you got home? She did both. That's the beauty of grands. She'd come with sandwiches, which were kind of her version of, say... See, when Gran puts love into something, it's like she sprinkles it with a, a kind of love that doesn't matter if you take the same ingredients, give it to your mum to do, or you give it to anyone. Same one, grandma could be standing over you. It's not quite the same as the way that she... I don't know, she, the spoon moves differently, or yeah. it's love, yeah? So even the sandwiches you, taste like M&S sandwiches. Like, and I was thinking, how do you do this, Gran? <laughs> so you get out of the car... Yeah. ...and... You've had maybe a, a journey sandwich, but what's <laughs> happening when you get in the house? What she cooked you then? Um, my grandma was, she had made this chicken casserole that, mm. again, it was, it was just like, it, it seems simple. Chicken casserole, you know, the, the, the thick sort of, the sauce was thick, had the onions. It was, 
it just felt chicken on the bone. No, not on the bone. She, but I think she cooked it on the bone, but yeah. then she she made it easy for for her grandson. You know, at those <laughs> times, she... like Grant, can, you, can I just have it without the bone? Can we just have it just just the meat so we can? She, she cooked it and then she stripped the meat <laughs> off the bone for the little prince who couldn't possibly have have the bone. She prided herself on the real lean meat, but it just tasted so good. When I think of that, like my mum tried to do that same dish, and again, it just didn't. It didn't hit. So it was a warm feeling from the sandwiches straight to going into that. But let's not forget, prior to all of that, a little dessert would have happened before because I could eat. As a kid growing up, I carried a little something, you know, and I enjoyed yeah. it. It was, I, I, yeah. when I was eating. I ate well. I didn't feel any way about it. So I'd have a little chocolate dessert that was in the fridge while I was waiting for the chicken casserole. And then I'd have another one after just to kind of make sure it just, I just did a taste test and I did another one to make sure it was right. You talk about being with your mum. Your parents separated when you were eight mm. and you would, you, you, you lived with your mum, didn't you? Yeah. Um, so how did you two kick about together? What did you do? Do you know what? My, I mean, our relationship was like, I mean, one, it was, I have so much love and respect and for, for what my mum sacrificed growing up because she's working a nine to five. I'm my grandma's helping out, picking me up from school, obviously, and, and doing that part. But then and my dad was really active. I mean, he come pick me up on a Sunday and we go to theme parks and we go to places. I mean, he was he, when you're young, you know who's about and you know who's who's not. And my dad and my whole family were there, but predominantly my mum and grandma. Do you remember that beautiful place called Blockbuster Video? Oh, it's a, it's a magical place. Magical place, yeah. There's a place where dreams came true. If the video you wanted was on that shelf, you know the ones that were that were the, the new, new release, and yeah, they yeah, only yeah. they only had three copies, and you you got that video. You it were was like a king. It was magical, right? And also magical if someone had rewound the tape when you put it in the <laughs> in the video player, right? That was magical <laughs> to press play and it just played, and it was just like, wow, this is great. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of people here like, mm, I don't know what you guys are talking about, but it what, sounds who? good. <laughs> so right across the, the road from the, my block of flats was uh, a blockbuster. There was a, a fish and chip shop. And yeah. that little combination of going to the fish and chip shop first, ask for whatever the order was, which would usually just be just fish and chips, quite simple. But um, lots of vinegar, lots of salt already. But yeah. they do a fresh batch for you. They're like, oh, okay, cool. And they know the they know the move. There'd be a line of people anyway. So you'd put it in, say, oh, can I have the, the fish and chips and you know, just fresh? And they're like, yeah. In this time, we're now in Blockbuster Video. We're now going through the new releases. We're now looking, trying to find that one we're looking for. Then we go over to the <laughs> fridge and pull out two two Hagen Dazs ice creams that are in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we get the video, return the ones from last week or the ones from where we got it, and then we head back round. And probably within that time, our fish and chips would be ready. And it was a cold night. I couldn't just remember. It's cold. And you're walking across the road, eating a bit of the fish and chips. You can't even wait to get to the block of flats. Oh, I love that. I love when you put your hand in and you just get a bit oh. of, like, the batter. Oh. And put it... Oh, oh. just, oh, like, one of the, the really kind of crunchy but also soft chips. And Grace. you're just eating that. Oh. Grace. It's like it's where dreams come true, right? <laughs> one one trip across the road to a blockbuster video and a fish and chip shop, and you're just like, whoa, like we're good here.
what got you interested in music? I mean, my dad was a bass guitarist in a group called Ebony Rockers, which was like a Roots yeah. Revival reggae group. Um, so I, I got heavily influenced by reggae music in general. So even when I listen to my first album, it, it's, its roots are in reggae. Those melodies are like incredible, even though it sort of seems like it leans more R&B. And he used to always, when he picked me up to take me out, he'd always play like different reggae hits, volume one, all the way through to like 210. There was, there was so many of them. Every week a new one came out. He sounds incredibly cool. Ah, oh, when you play bass anyway, you know that face they yeah. make when they're just in it. It's like, yeah. they're just in the thing. You're just like, okay, you're cool, whatever you're doing. I, if you're playing the right notes or not, yeah. you're just doing it. Man. So yeah. I felt yeah. that from him. And he got me to play classical guitar when I was young. So I was doing lessons. And then my mum... So, so I kind of had my mum playing Stevie Wonder and the Osmonds and then my dad playing like, I don't know, Gregory Isaacs and Bob Marley and Beres Hammond and all these guys. So I got really nice, warm, eclectic styles of music, which kind of then inspired me. I always could hold a note, but I didn't know it would hold a note in the way it has for the last 22 years. So it's, it's quite crazy. So when did you decide that music was mm. your path in life and not just an interest? My first show was Terence Trent Derby at the Guild Hall. <gasps> Remember the Hardline According To, that album? Like, whoa. That whole album, it's mm. just so, you know, reminiscent of a, of a time and mm. you know, wishing well and stuff like oh. that. And if you let me stay. And... If you let me stay, you, uh. you know. Like, that, that, the way he sang was like, it felt like he had Stevie, Marvin, MJ, Prince. I mean, I mean when I saw him moving across the stage and singing those songs, it was so heartfelt that from that moment yes. I was dreaming of like, oh, if I could ever get on stage, that would be pretty amazing. So it's funny to, to then go on. I was now at like City College, which was five minutes away from my house. I was doing a, a, a level two NVQ in electronics, um, soldering circuit boards, which was the closest okay. thing in those times to being anywhere near music. And somehow in my head, I thought if I worked in Richard Sounds, that could be kind of a vibe. And then I could be around like that second yeah. deck. You know that deck we, that we were, look, were looking for? Uh, I mean, the, maybe the times the timeline's a bit off, but it would be like I could get another piece of equipment to yeah. add to my thing. I've got the soldering thing, maybe. But then kind of that just ended up me making mixtapes um, in yeah. that period of time I was at college. And then I met Mark Hill from the Artful Dodger when I was DJing at, at one venue called Old Orientals, which was a two-level um, sort of club night. And he was playing Garage and House upstairs or House and Garage, and I was playing an R&B set downstairs. We met and there was, there was this beautiful synergy where it was like, mm. he said, I'm looking for someone to sing some songs and who writes songs and can do something over my tracks. And I said, well, man, I'm looking for someone who can create the music and I can, because I'm just using instrumentals that I'm from well-known records to sing along. And it just hit perfectly. The studio's 10 minutes away from there. And then I kind of just realized in my mind that I've got to make a decision here. Do I keep doing this MVQ thing for, with electronics? Um, or not really doing it and just making mixtapes, or do I fully invest in going to the studio every day? And it's, I can remember that feeling. I was really like, I didn't know. My head was telling me the academic thing, you need to, that's the way to go. My heart was saying, just try it out, like go for this. So do you remember exactly where you were when after this conversation, you've had this mm. chat, mm. he's got music, he wants lyrics, and then you must have heard Re Rewind for the, first time I mean how did that feel well the first time was like walking back with my CD uh, Walkman with it on my ears that was the first time I actually was like 
again, there were certain songs back then that I didn't need anyone. Well, remember this time I wasn't signed. I didn't even know what it was like to be a, an artist out there. But there were certain songs where I didn't need anyone to tell me if they liked it, didn't like it. It was just like this. When the bass hits on this, it, it, yeah. it's giving me a feeling. And that feeling, I can't articulate what it is, but it feels right. I came to London to do a, a performance of it at Camden Palace. And I heard it on a pirate radio station on my way up. A friend of mine, Clinton, had let me jump in his yellow fiesta, gave him a little 30, 40 quid. We rolled up there, we did the performance. Were you scared? <sighs> So you standing on the side of the stage. I stand on the side of the stage and I'm hearing Camden. like early, the big tunes. You're hearing Flowers, fresh. Oh. When you hear a song like Flowers, like, okay, it's been there. It's got <laughs> history, yeah. But when you're hearing it brand new or Shola Amma yes. going up and doing Imagine <gasps> and you're just like, this is happening now. Like, these are the tunes that is always brand new. And then I go up and, and do and Rewind. And now it's your turn. <sighs> your debut album, Born to Do It, mm. came out in 2000. Yeah. It went straight to number one on the UK albums chart. It became the fastest selling debut album ever by a British male solo artist. Mm. To what extent did your eating habits change as your career mm. took off? I mean, definitely things had changed from the three boost bars that I'd be eating on my way to school on the number five <laughs> bus before you'd even got to your first class. Three boost bars. This is three what I'm saying. Three boost bars. We weren't playing back then. Like I was the guy selling oh, yeah. the chocolate who 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 knew the, I had a, like a window of like two hours before lunch break or the first break. So we could really step up the profits on that. Oh, you don't, you don't want the Mars bar for £2.50? Okay, cool. Then just wait till the, 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 tuck, the tuck shop comes in, in two hours. Oh, bro, come on, bro. Okay, £2 then. Okay, here we go. That's too fun. <laughs> Is this where Born to Do It came from? Is that where the title came from, from your sweet tooth? Born to Do It came from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, which is my favourite movie of all time. Gene Wilder, original. I mean, what can I say? Like yeah. the, the dark humour in that is amazing. But if you're a kid, you get all the you, you get all the yeah. messaging. Oh God, yeah. But he runs into the candy shop, the young boy, Knock Charlie, and he just says, how does he do it? And the candy man says, well, my dear boy, do you ask a fish how it swims? And he says, no. Do you ask a bird how it flies? He says, no, sorry, you don't. They do it because they were born to do it. And I was like, that's what I need. That's the thing. I need that. And then we ran with it. And so, um, yeah, it's been, it's actually been intrinsically part of everything that all parts of my life, that movie keeps on finding its way, even from the golden ticket. And I've had moments where I've been looking at manifesting, like walking around the, the, my block of flats and I keep walking the same route. And I always wish like Charlie... I'd find a golden ticket or find £20 this time. So I was thinking yeah. £20, £20, £20. I went for years and I just kept looking in the same spot. One day I look and I see a £20 note in the position, £20, not 10 not 5 £20 in the position that I'd looked for years. And I was just like... It's a sign. I was like, it it's happens. It just doesn't happen maybe overnight. That's my golden ticket moment. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. By your mid-twenties, you'd released several albums, you've won countless awards, mm. and then after releasing a greatest hits record in 2008, you moved to Miami. Yeah. And your musical output slows down. Mm. What were you looking for in a move to America? Well, the first time I went to Miami was 2000. Went over there to do Fill Me In. First time I went to Miami saw the palm trees in the background. I saw the sun and the, I, I was just like, whoa, what is this place? A few years later, I was like, had the opportunity where they were building the Mondrian Hotel. Um, we've got, there's a few dotted around. And I used to go there in LA to, to stay when I was doing shows. So they were building the hotel and they had like apartments that you could actually rent out or you could buy. So mm. I looked at one and the developer did a great little move on me. The developer's like, oh, you don't want to go upstairs and see the, the other ones that we're selling. And I was like, Oh, really? Okay, let's have a little look. And then I went upstairs and I saw this apartment that blew my mind. And at that point, yeah. I had to make a decision. Do I want to make that move? Of Because it was just dreamy. I was soaked up in the dream. I've seen pictures of you when you were in Miami. You must have been spending so much time and energy on that. It did have an impact on how I was eating, for sure. Talking about comfort foods and food. Because I, it's very body conscious. I've got to say... I'll give myself a pat on the back for the training because I went in. It was like we were doing cardio in the morning and weights at night or vice versa. What was your training diet like? Was it that kind of regimented chicken breast, chicken breast, chicken breast, you, boiled egg you, type thing? You pretty much got the, uh, got the, got the, yeah. memo. and it wasn't, see, this is the funny thing that I always feel like, and this is like the duty of care that I kind of realized that messaging in my songs and where I'm up to now that you actually, to be able to have words of wisdom, you have to almost say experience. Like experience is everything. You can't, how can you say about doing this, doing that, if you never experienced it yourself, yeah? You can mm. have an idea, but you can't quite. So for me, it was like going to Miami and doing literally everything I possibly could to drill down the, the fat percentage, get the, get the body in a certain shape, but actually without really any cause. It was like, what was the goal in this? Getting my physique to a certain place was, was great, but you, if you're doing that full-time and that's your job, that's one thing. And Miami was, pulls you that way a little. And I know that I'm not that. I was like, you know what, I'm a, creator, I'm a music man. So it was a good experience, but not the thing. You have been at a point where you've achieved almost physical perfection. So how mm. does that feel, being in that zone? This is what my real, I learned from the whole situation is that on paper you'd say, yeah, physical perfection or there's a quote-unquote look but that's the facade that I think in society we're breaking down all those um, old 
on one side, patriarchal systems, but also the perception of how you are in culture, how you look, how you must be to fit in, you must be like X, Y. So you get swept up in that, in a destination like Miami, it becomes, okay, you're mirroring off of other people. But actually, when it's just for the destination of a six pack, that's where it all goes left for me. I realized that you can get the six pack, but then you've got to try and maintain it. And then you start losing out on social circles and you're not going to those dinners and you're not eating that food you really want to eat and then you're not really enjoying it. And then all of a sudden it's like, what are you doing this for then? Your life in Miami, you've got a great social life. You've got a flash Miami apartment. You have, I'm going to say, it wasn't a six pack, it was an eight pack, I'm going to say. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're driving a Lamborghini. It was very dreamy. Was life in America everything that you dreamed of? Mm. I can't know. It, it was it was dreamy for a moment, but like anything, I felt I overstayed my welcome in a place where a holiday was great. Two weeks in and out, you're good. Mm-hmm. To live there, when especially when I've grown up here in the UK and just the way that culture is here, and the, just the I like the humor and certain TV shows that I can talk to other people about. And yes, I got to drive the, the Lamborghini and the flash pad, but there was a point at which in 2016 when I ended up coming back to the UK and I was cancelling going to Miami because I was so deeply passionate and in love with being in the studio. And it just showed me that people were like, why are you not in Miami right now, man? Like, you're, I've seen the pictures of your place, man. Like, it's crazy. Like, Miami. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm going to cancel the flight back. I want to finish these songs we've got going on. It just, I got the memo. And I'm so grateful that I did. Yes. So grateful. When you got back, mm. what food did you eat that made you feel like home? When I was with my mum, she wasn't the best cook in the world. She, she, she'd admit this herself. She, she, she'd heat things up very well. So the chicken Kiev with the, the chips uh, for tea could be done very, very well. It tastes very, very nice. And the dessert from, from Tesco's or wherever it was from, very, very good. But we're not really embellishing it any more than that. Yeah? She, and I was cool with that. It, it tastes good. We don't need to get to... You know what I mean? Was your dad pleased to see you back when you came back? Yeah. He, he, he was so happy. I think he kind of... He's always supported me... In, in, a, in a myriad of ways. Like I said, that record deck or him buying me a Studio 100, which was like a console where you could make your own make your own music on. I remember those moments and the things that, that were done early on. Or mum giving me an extra £20 to go and buy another, another record at a shop. It, coming back and then seeing their faces when I started to do shows with the TS5 show. And it happened relatively quickly at that point. 2016 was a real pivotal moment. The 16, the song, Wait, Where Are You Now with Fill Me In, that I did on One Extra, that went viral. And we got Justin Bieber and Scooter Braun and Skrillex and all these people going crazy for it. Then when the baseline drops happens with Big Nasty, right off the bat of that, back of that. And the next thing you know, we've released Follow My Intuition Now, which went to number one, and then we won Arena Tour. So it, it was almost like, if you can get back from Miami and stop all this like living the dream thing and come back and do what, we get back on your soul mission of what you came here to do, which is make music and and hopefully impact people in a positive way, you'll be good. And it literally happened as soon as I made that decision not to go back out there. So I can go on a holiday, but I won't necessarily stay longer than two weeks. You're not going to buy any more apartments. We're, we're, we're good for now. I don't want to say never say <laughs> never, but I definitely know the, the where we're at now. Definitely. So I'm in the middle of planning Christmas round at mine this year. I've got the whole mm. family coming down. What I want to know is what will it look like for you 
And what's on the menu? Christmas is like one big smile. So that's the first. Like, if I'm trying to sum it up in a in an expression, it just feels like a smile. Like at the 23rd or 24th, either my mum will come up to me or I'll go down and see my mum. And my dad will come around on Christmas Day. So it's a very small, like tight yeah. knit. Um, yeah. Wake up, throw on the Home Alone jumper. Just, I mean, my mum always revamps it, finds a new one, different colour. So we throw that bad boy on. Um, put the movie on, set, get the tone. Home Alone 1 and 2 are just preloaded, ready to go. Um, Interesting. Do you cook? Well, we talked about the garlic, the, the chicken uh, Kiev, right? We've, we've gone, so we know where we're, the road we're going down, yeah? So we, okay. there's some things prepped. There's a couple things that will be sort of ready to go. We just need to heat them, not heat them up, but like there's some frozen stuff that do need a little bit of attention, you know? Like the parsnips, yes. for example, uh, they were honey roasted already. They haven't been like freshly made in the kitchen. Okay. They're heated well. Okay. So it sounds like you're kind of doing things that are quite easy just so you can spend time together. You got it in one. Like my time in Southampton is to to give my mum 100% of my attention and to let her know how much I love her. So if it's helping out in the kitchen, I'm there. And also my mum is actually, she wants me to, she wants the same for me. So she's like, no, no, it's cool. I got yeah. this. Like, I'm like, okay, let's do this together. We'll serve it up together, get it right. And then we'll go back into the living room. We'll watch something that's on TV. Or Home Alone goes back on again. And then we we literally enjoy those moments of just like reminiscing about Christmases before. And just just life, really. I mean, I've got a lot of time for now spending and having real moments in relationship and being present and not rushing through life to just get to the next thing. Craig David, mm. thank you so much for being on Comfort Eating. You've been so amazing. I have one more mm. request. I've tried to be incredibly cool up to now, mm. but I feel like my listeners would feel shortchanged at Christmas if they didn't have just a little, maybe just a few lines of a song mm. from you. Okay. And the song that I was thinking of was Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Ooh. Okay. Um, I don't know all the lyrics off the heart, but let me see. Um Let's try and style it then. Okay. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let the yuletide gay. From now on, our troubles will be far away. Oh, yeah. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Grace, I love your vibes. <laughs> Next time, you'll have to come round mine for a little cookie dough, cookie dough, cookie dough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> vibes, I don't know. Some of that. Some, some, some. Oh, okay. I don't know what's going on. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Oh, you are amazing and you've been a wonderful guest. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for the song. Do you know something? Mm. That damn you got a little tear in my eye. And I really <laughs> Christmas has started. It's officially, and I appreciate <laughs> you, you know. Oh, Craig David, thank you so much for comfort eating with me. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. This episode of Comfort Eating was produced by Jack Claremont. The series producer is Leia Green and the executive producer is Cathy Drysdale. The music was written by Axel Cacoutier. 
mixing and sound design was by Sammy L. Anani. If you like comfort eating, please leave us a review. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And use the hashtag ComfortEatingPod to get in touch about the podcast or share your own comfort foods. This is The Guardian. Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax with their 20 plus sports activities wellness programs you can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family so book your next getaway with club med visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor